Hi there, this is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners. Welcome to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast series, where we feature leading practitioners and thinkers across connected industry and the broader technology landscape. Good day, everyone. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner at Momenta Partners with another episode of our Edge podcast. And today, we have a special guest, Ganesh Bell, who is the president of Uptake. And he's actually somebody I had the pleasure of meeting several years ago in one of his prior roles. And, and uh, we had a conversation that uh, that started on technology. And, and boy, uh, you know, Ganesh is, is one of the most interesting people I've, I, I remember speaking to, just uh, interests that that really cover a whole range of, uh, of, of areas in technology and life and, and the economy. So we had a, it was, it was such a, such a thrill to see that, uh, you know, Ganesh is now in his new role at, uh, at uptake, or I guess relatively new role. We'll be asking you about that, but uh, focused on, on connected industries. So Ganesh, it's, it's great to have you here. Ed, thank you uh, for having me on the show. And, uh, it should be fun. Awesome. Well, first, I'd like to get a sense of what has what shaped your view of, of the industrial Internet of Things, and and what you know what are what are the experiences that have brought you to uh, you know to, to your current role. Uh, great question. Actually, um, you know, I go back uh, almost uh, a decade ago uh, when cloud was becoming mainstream and SaaS was mainstream. We were starting to use the term big data. And um, I was at one of the biggest enterprise software companies in the world, SAP. And I used to talk to my colleagues about the fact that all of these technologies being democratized just means that there will be more IP, more expertise in the world that will be codified in software. And in fact, I would talk to people about the next big software business isn't, the next big software company isn't a software business. And people go, what the heck does that mean? You work in one of the biggest software companies in the world. And I would say exactly that, which is ideas and IP and deep domain expertise will be codified in software. So with SaaS and cloud and big data, there'll be others that will be doing it. And now we kind of talk about it as digital transformation of industries. And uh, what led me here is um, uh, I, the more I talked about it, uh, I had a moment of do I actually believe my own bullshit when I got a call from GE uh, that they want to do something with software and I sold them on digital and became the first chief digital office in the company, built one of the first digital businesses and realized that this is a much bigger market opportunity than I originally even thought. And now I'm doing it in uptake with uh, great customers who are kind of imagining the connected industries that they are in. That's amazing, and and uh, what a what what a ride as well. From uh, I think when we, we were first talking, you were uh, you had been working on uh, analytic strategy and and really looking looking at harnessing the value of data for for business impact. And be interested to get a sense of um, you know what some what are some events or, or people that have had really the most impact on on your thinking. So, you know, uh, going back to when I was talking about this, the next big uh, software company is in a software business where I said there'll be companies that use software and build businesses, but fundamentally they won't be in the business of selling software. I didn't have great words to say it till obviously the, uh, I think probably one of the most defining op-ed pieces of our time is Mark Andreessen's software is leading the world. Um, that was a simplification of the idea and a great explanation of what was happening. Now we have examples in the industry, in the consumer world, right? Uber is a software company, Pixar is a software company, Amazon is a software company, but none of them sell software. Um, but when you take that over to business, I think probably going into um, uh, the industrial world, um, where I didn't have a lot of appreciation for how grungy the industry was about five, six years ago, going into GE and meeting with amazing customers, I would say they probably shaped my view of the transformation and the challenge that they have to go through. And it's become much more than technology. 
yes, it is platforms and applications and curated industry data and content, but it's also about culture and change management and transformation and new ways to work, right? And uh, I would say the journeys that I've been part of with Uptake and my past life with customers probably shaped it uh, more of the belief in the market. Market, but I would say I would go back to the seminal article by Mark Andreessen. Uh, I, I think that is the future of business for the next, uh, you know, at least for the next decade or so, where pretty much every industry, every business will be reimagined with software. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, the ramifications are are just so broad-reaching and profound. And uh, you actually, in in a recent Forbes piece, you were claiming that enterprise software, as we've known it in the past, is over, and business process automation is no longer good enough. Could could you expand on that and 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 tell uh, share a little bit more on about your your point of view there? Sure. So. Um you know, I've worked in enterprise software all my uh, career, right? I've uh, been an entrepreneur. I've uh, created my own CRM product, which launched the company. Uh, worked in some of the biggest enterprise software companies like JD Edwards, PeopleSoft, SAP. Then now I'm a rebooted entrepreneur at Uptake. When you look at the history of enterprise software and you see many people talk about it, even as like a replacement market. Every time a new technology comes, people say it's a replacement market. What does that mean? It just, they're basically redoing the same thing in a new technology. We went from mainframe to distributed computing to client server to web to ASP to SaaS to cloud. And across the last you know, several decades of enterprise software, we've literally redone the same business process in a new technology. Yes, it's gotten more useful. The user experience is better. There is better embedded analytics. There is democratization of access. The software is more configurable, consumable, extensible. All that stuff has happened. But fundamentally, the design of ERP or CRM or any of these business systems are still the same. And I also think about all of enterprise software throughout the history has been about humans entering data. We've built technologies for just humans entering data. ERP is just that. CRM is just that. That's what's... SAP, Oracle, Salesforce do really, really well. But we're now at a stage, especially in the industrial world, where machines generate more impactful data than humans, and there are more new kinds of sensors, like drones as an aerial sensor, or robots at work, or humans with augmented machines generating more data. So you almost need a new architecture on how you look at this data. At the same time, we now have a new technology, not just cloud, but in the last four or five years, the amount of progress we've made in machine learning and AI actually forces us to reimagine the software, not just redo the same thing. It was okay to do, redo CRM from client server to web to web to SaaS to build companies. It's no longer good enough. And customers want much more than just business process automation. They want outcomes. So I think there's desire from customers for outcomes, the ability for AI and machine learning to fundamentally reimagine and augment human intelligence, and all the cloud-native technologies force us to think about enterprise software in a very different way. And uh, that is the belief that we have at Uptake, which is customers need outcomes, and how do you take all the data that you have? If you ask most uh, CXOs, do you trust that data is strategic asset, they'll say yes now because they're reading something, they have a belief in it. But if you ask them, what do you do about it? They don't have great answers. And how do you take all the way from the assets of data to outcomes is a uh, idea that we're working on at Uptake. So the evolution of AI and machine learning is really has, I mean, has, has, we've seen an enormous amount of progress, breakthroughs, and acceleration. Uh, but how do you see that really driving the evolution of what we called, uh, you know, industrial IoT. Yeah, so, um, you know, in all of the industries that we're talking about, right, industries like uh, power, energy, oil and gas, manufacturing, uh, construction, mining, uh, transportation, whether it's rail or locomotives or aviation or uh, trucks or fleets and logistics, all these industries have operated with some level of software support. 
and some level of analytics, right? If you go to a power plant or oil uh, field, right, they all have some kind of analytics, but they're all based on first principle physics-based analytics, which are important, but not good enough because they're operating on slice of operational data. In almost all these scenarios we see about less than 1% of data is actually utilized. And to really process all of that data, you need something that takes into all the physics and the domain knowledge, but orchestrates a new level of learning. And that's really what we're seeing now. Machine learning is we're actually able to do that now. We're actually now able to build engines that detect failure or predict anomalies or manage uh, optimization of fuel and so on. And you can do that with machine learning and you can actually use all of your operation data. Um, at Uptake, for example, we build some of these engines that you know, utilize more than 1.2 billion hours of operating data. Um, so they get better at prediction. So we're now seeing the ability to do this across many classes of assets and across systems and systems of assets. So Uptake is a, uh, is a, I've seen that it's described as being an industrial AI software company. And, you know, how does that, uh, um, you know, how, how does that, how does that tie into, uh, you know, the work that you guys are doing with, with customers? Could you expand a bit on that, that definition? Sure. Um, if you go back to the, you know, go to your previous question on IoT, and if you think about it in the context of industrial systems, right? There was a first wave of IoT, if you look at it, was just people making connected things. How do you make a product connected? And that happened in the consumer world, right? It happened in, uh, if you made a thermostat, how do you make it a connected thermostat? If you make a car, how do you make a connected car? A lot of those companies got acquired by the likes of Cisco and Intel and everybody else, and that's good in those industries. Whereas in the industrial world, these assets, like we're talking about, like wind turbine or gas turbine or jet engine or a robot in a manufacturing assembly line have always been connected except their silos of information and data. And what we're doing at Uptake is now applying not just a notion of connected IoT applications on top of these assets, but also deep analytics and domain in terms of how these assets are supposed to go work. So for example, um, we're, we work with uh, Berkshire Hathaway Energy. All of their wind turbines, about 2,500 of them, are connected to the uptake cloud and a series of machine learning engines. Because of that, we can now predict many different failure modes and improve unplanned downtime. At the end of the day, we're improving annual energy production, which is more energy from the same wind. We're just we're doing that in uh, locomotives and transportation where about 6,000 locomotives of progress rail are connected to our cloud, where we can help them detect more than 90% of the failure modes. Now, the same engines and the platform the application are also useful in the context of another customer we just signed, um, which is the uh, U.S. Army, where we're now able to deploy this across all of the fight Bradley fighting vehicles where by detecting failures and anomalies, we can improve uptime, or the Army calls it readiness of their fighting vehicles. And in their words, it translates to billions of dollars uh, when it's applied across all of their fleets. So we're just getting started on that journey. And we've seen many such examples in other industries like trucking or you know, whether it's uh, installing a new robot in a manufacturing line. All of these ideas can be optimized further because we can augment all the human domain expertise with machine learning domain expertise and help in decision making over time. So it sounds like Uptake is very much focused on a, a broad range of industries and applying analytics to, to solve very real pain points and business problems. But uh, you know, what about the, the areas of product focus? What are, what are some of the key, uh, you know, key uh, you know, tech, either technologies or, or, or offerings that, that are, you know, central in, in your focus right now? So, you know, if you look at the industrial landscape, we see the, um, uh, we kind of see a whole new stack that is emerging. Um, in enterprise software, we've seen this moving forward. In the 90s, there was just database servers and app applications. 
That's it, right? And then you saw the rise of things like application servers, integration servers, business process management servers, master data management servers, portal servers, and so on and so forth. We're seeing the same thing happen in the industrial world where it was just in the past, it was just machines and control systems. Then we saw the rise of, hey, we need to connect things and do simple asset management applications or monitoring and diagnostic applications. But now you see the rise of the industrial data layer. You see the rise of edge computing. You see the rise of data contextualization. How do you switch all this, you know, uh, thousands and thousands of tags or sensors of data into a model that is understandable? We call that data contextualization or data, and it's ingesting all this high volume data. Then there is application development layers and analytic layers and application layers and so on. We think of that, all of these things in a simple construct of platforms, applications, and curated content. At Uptake, we provide a platform that we think you cannot build a simple application development platform and then IoT platform and then add machine learning and analytics to it. You've got to have machine learning and AI as a first-class core citizen. And that is really what our platform is. We built a series of data science engines on top of which we built an IoT programming model. So that platform allows our customers to build great applications. On top of that same platform, we built our killer applications, asset performance management or optimizing service and parts or managing dealer networks uh, in construction and mining. Then on top of that, we have curated industry data. When it's curated industry data, our focus is building a repository database. We, we call this our asset strategy library, where there's more than 800 critical asset types with about 55,000 failure modes and about 178,000 working, reportable working conditions and 10 million con, you know, components, over 32,000 human working years of experience, all curated. So what does that allow us to do? It allows to go all the way from connectivity of machines to data integrity to having the best platform for machine learning and AI that informs our applications along with all the physics-based analytics and domain knowledge to actually predict uh, you know, outcomes in those industries. So we think of it as platforms, applications, and curated content, and we're doing this in every one of the industries that we're in. So the curated content uh, dimension of, of your offerings is something that is really uh, that really sets sets uptake apart. Could you talk about the role of you know domain expertise, uh, you know I- industry knowledge, in it re- really in driving the success of of the uh, of your offerings, and and how the you know the the process of of developing. You know, curated content, as it were, is you know how how, how that you know creates you know, real differentiation that that translates to to value for your customers. Yeah, um, like a lot of people would agree with you that domain matters uh, in the industrial world, and we see the debate between uh, you know new upstarts or you know or even horizontal technology or even established. Enterprise software vendors sometimes do lip service to verticalization, right? They'll say, domain really doesn't matter. We can extend our uh, horizontal applications towards a particular industry. And then the other end of the spectrum, you see uh, OEMs, right? OEMs with big machines in the industrial space argue a lot about domain not matters. Um, We agree domain absolutely matters. But at Uptake, we believe the domain of operating the machines and the assets in the business matters a lot, more than just the uh, notion of having manufactured the machine or material science of the machine. They matter, but operational data matters a lot more. Uh, as I use the example sometimes, I tell people that, you know, if you're building an autonomous car, uh, yes, the domain of driving matters. The domain of building a automotive automobile matters but what matters a lot is actual experiential knowledge of having driven a car on public roads for millions of miles so if you apply the same thing in the industrial world we think of operational data all the physics-based analytics matters all the domain knowledge of building the machines and assets matter and operating the environment matters 
But what ma- and building software matters, but what matters a lot is also all of the operating data, which is what our customers have. So being able to go into it and curating it is an important aspect of actually delivering outcomes, which is why we acquired asset performance technologies, which is the database that I talked about, and we've added to it, we've added all of those elements of, you know, we're approaching almost 1,000 plus critical assets across all of these industries. But in addition to that, we're also looking at other external data factors like ambient data, satellite data, uh, weather data. And people go like, why would Uptake care about weather data? Uh, doesn't everybody else do weather? And it's like, absolutely, they do weather for humans and other industries in general. But when we do weather, we take into account six different weather sources and we predict freezing point of a particular point on a railway track so we can understand slippage and correlate that to failure detection in the locomotive. Or we understand weather as in wind speed at the ground level or at the mass level or at the uh, rotor level for a wind turbine uh, performance curve and performance prediction. So you can look at lots of different data sources in the industry similarly and start building on top of composite data streams a unique insight that would inform you about how to operate or not operate a particular environment or a set of assets. And they all feed into uh, things like, you know, uh, improving over, over time, going from, you know, just reliability, uptime, to optimizing assets and services, to parts, to profitability of a customer. Can you talk a bit about some of the the technology aspects of of for you know for industrial AI adopters? I mean, as you, you know, as you look around at at the customers that you've been working with, and and you know from your experience, are there are there some hurdles or 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 enabling technologies that you think uh, are aren't fully appreciated uh, either as as you know creating additional challenges or or offering leverage to, uh, to, to, potential, to potential adopters? The, uh, it's a great question. The, the biggest hurdle that we see in many of, again, we're very early in the days of what we think is one of the biggest, uh, arguably the largest enterprise software market ever. The biggest hurdle that we see in value creation for our customers is uh, complacency. And let's, let's talk about the, the size of the value here, right? The, uh, the World Economic Forum estimates over the next decade. In the consumer world, there's about $10 trillion of value to be created. In the industrial world, just applying digital technologies, um, it's about $18 trillion of value to be created. So the biggest challenge that we see is complacency from CXOs and CEOs because they can't chart a path fully uh, of the next five years, it takes someone with the courage to have a leap of faith saying, I know the first two steps, let me take it, and let me make sure that I have a team that can consistently figure out the next two to three steps behind it. That takes a different mindset than people who've grown up purely in the industrial world. It takes visionary CEOs and CXOs to make that leap. That's the first hurdle. From a technology perspective, the next hurdle that we see is sometimes people thinking, okay, I'm going to build this myself. Because this is core and competitive to me, I've got to build everything. And sometimes we see people saying, okay, I just want to build it on top of a public cloud, like a uh, Amazon or a Microsoft Azure. And we tell them those are great decisions. Those are great companies. They make great infrastructure service uh, platforms, and they're fantastic platforms and servers for building generic applications, but you need a lot more on top of it to get to your outcomes that you care in the industrial world. So what we've done at Uptake is we genuinely believe that any such technology in the modern day should be cloud-native set of technologies, meaning technologies that were born in the cloud. A design principle of that also means it shouldn't be native to any one particular cloud. Because when you build something native to one particular cloud, uh, you know, customers have different preferences whether they want to be on Amazon or Azure or Google or AliCloud or a hybrid scenario. And you've got to be able to support it. That means you've got to build technologies that are native to cloud, you know, but not native to any one particular cloud. 
uh, good container technology is like Kubernetes. That's what we built on, right? At the same time, you've got to be building true machine learning technologies, meaning technologies that are actually engines that are first-class citizens in a programming model versus, you know, we've seen this movie in enterprise software where you build simple transactional applications and then you try to shove analytics into it, it doesn't work. Like decades into enterprise software, we still don't have ERPs with first-class native analytics or CRM with first-class native analytics. And that cannot happen in the industrial world because inherently these are analytical applications. So the other set of design principles that we have are about how do you build machine learning engines natively into the technology stack? Are, are there challenges in managing the data? I mean, you've got a you've got a, a, a long background in working with you know enterprise data, or I guess the human created data and 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 and, and business analytics. But the, uh, uh, the 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 challenges, the volume, the velocity of machine data, and also the data structures are different. Could you, you talk about some of the uh, the challenges involved or the considerations when you're when you're pulling data from so many different sources and, and and, and what what sort of uh, approaches are helpful to deliver business value from the, the, these different systems and and, uh, and and data types? The the data challenge in uh, the industrial world is actually way more complex than in the traditional uh, you know enterprise apps world. If you look at a modern power plant, it could have uh, 5,000 or 10,000 sensors. Um, and if you go to any environment, whether it even act like a wind turbine or a wind farm, you have hundreds of sensors and thousands of tags that are sending you data. And a lot of these happen to be isolated uh, data silos today, whether it's in you know, OSI soft or some kind of a historian database and uh, sensor database, they are all isolated, and these are all um, data streams that are not even being correlated. And one of the things that you see all the time uh, with people trying to do analytics in the industrial scenario is just stitch together all of this data to make sense of something as simple as an asset model. And this is what the rest of the industry has done a lip service by calling like a digital model of the asset, and we would say that's just a data model. It's got nothing to do with the digital model of the asset. But even that is hand-stitch and hand-assembled uh, in most scenarios. What we believe needs to happen is the rapid modeling capability, which is why at Uptake we actually built a uh, machine learning engine that does this automatically. Uh, we call it the label correction engine, which understands that this is the same sensor that in thousands of their assets, it's just being labeled in different ways and that understands the correlations of the different sensors to quickly create what we call an industrial asset graph. And so we can quickly understand a set of assets very rapidly and prepare that data for analytics as well as training. So we can quickly build models on top of the asset, model a particular asset, train that asset model, uh, the machine learning model on top of the existing asset graph of data and quickly start to get into predictions. Um, so anybody trying to do this in a manual way is actually missing the point. You've got to apply high productivity machine learning tools to the problem of actually doing, uh, it's just like we talk about software to build software, it's kind of like machine learning to build more machine learning models. It's kind of how we approach it. Yeah, it sounds like the, uh, I mean, the approach that you're taking, again, is you're, 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 oh, you're, you're approaching the goal of delivering replicable solutions, but along a, uh, you know, very vertical by vertical or, or, or case, you know, case by case type of basis. And uh, I, I'd love to get your, your sense of the, uh, really the tra trajectory of expectations and adoption in the, in the IoT market, because if you go back, I always find this really interesting. If you if you go back about four or five years ago, when the when the first big uh, forecasts of, of the number of devices and and economic value that was going to be created by 
by connecting physical assets came out, I think uh, there were a lot of expectations that we would see this you know, massive inflection, a, 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 an enormous spike up up into the right. And in the in in contrast, that in terms of spend, I was referring to spending. And in in contrast, what's happened is that the I think initially expectations were aggressive, but adoption's been much more uh, more more steady, if, if maybe slower than and, uh, some of the more optimistic forecasts had thought. I'd love to get your uh, your thoughts on what are the the, the challenges to adoption of um, you know a, a, a comprehensive IoT and industrial AI solutions, and and you know where where, we, where you think the uh, the the greatest value is 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 being created. Yeah, so uh, I think that it's a great question when you look at the trajectory of where we are as an industry. I would say, um, one, adoption is happening slow and fast. It's happening slow by people who are unsure about how to begin this journey, and we see many that start doing pilots and they end up just in pilot land. At the same time, we also see big leaders act more decisively and make a bet and go really fast. The best transitions that we've seen led are, you know, a CEO, CXO, belief-led transitions where they've gotten outsized returns because of their belief and investment versus a let's go do a pilot approach. Now, that's hard. At the same time, we've also seen slower adoptions by, um, and I think the, the visionary CIOs, CTOs, uh, you know, have a different approach. But most of them that end up in a, let me trial this, let me go prove this in one scenario, cannot quickly make the leap to a full-on business case and a value um, across a full enterprise. So the biggest advice we tell people is, have a look at your entire enterprise, get started. You've got to have a big picture view and make a, a leap of faith. At the same time, I would say the adoption is actually fairly robust. Where we see the challenge is the um, is data, one, where most companies don't have a good picture of the value of data that they have, the integrity of all that data, and preparing the data to be able to apply. And then there is a next step is a, I'll just go try this. And, you know, I'm going to assemble a best of breed and go build something. And we sometimes challenge some customers to go, the best visionary customers can actually be successful by assembling so many different pieces of technology, but it's going, they're going to end up building something that they have imagined today, three years from now and it's going to set like concrete, and it will not evolve. So the, then the, the biggest challenge is people creating the journey maps, a roadmap where they can make few big bets in, and an evolvable architecture. They can continue and run really fast, so they can chase ideas from the digital exhaust of their operations. Um, I think there we're seeing some of the leaders and the visionaries, like the, uh, I just told you the example of the uh, U.S. Army, and the U.S. Army actually last week announced that they're going to be investing $2 billion into AI. Uh, yes, it's going to go into lots of different areas, but it's also going to go into simple mundane tasks like maintenance, reducing operations and maintenance costs of their uh, fighting vehicles or their, uh, uh, you know, in the Marines or in the Army or in the Air Force. Um, and those are all great examples of ideas where you are betting big with a belief and you will actually find out the use cases as you deploy an evolvable architecture. So we, see, we see the uh, demand for this going up and we see this is where companies like Berkshire Hathaway Energy, companies, um, you know, ideas like the U.S. Army, these are ideas where you can go run real fast. 
So that's uh, a really key point as well. This this idea that with a with a with a extensible or an agile platform, you're able to really discover new use cases and value that you don't necessarily anticipate going you know going into the beginning of a of a project. Um, would love to get your sense on some of the some of the industries that where you, where you've seen some notable successes. I I think the the U.S. Army example is uh, is is a great one. But from you know from your perspective, are are there industries that stand out as being particularly visionary and successful, and and others that um, you know any others that have taken unconventional approaches to uh, really adopting you know connected these connected industry technologies. I, I don't know if I would say any of them, uh, any industry is visionary or further ahead. You know, obviously every industry is, a lot of these industries are in some ways digitally backwards, right? They're not telecommunications, even. this is not banking, this is not finance, this is not, uh, you know, autonomous driving, or, although I believe there's going to be an autonomous-like moment in every one of these industries. But you see the acceleration in the last few years is very different than say, all of the last 25 years or several decades put together. That's everything from energy to oil and gas to construction and mining. So I'll use an example as simple as like construction and mining, right? And to go back to your previous questions of uh, getting started and discovering new value, um, if you look at, uh, at uptake, we've got about uh, more than 100 customers, and uh, there's a fair bit of those customers that are also, you know, managing assets across multiple different kinds of industries. And a particular example would be about dealers, dealers of construction and mining equipment. They actually manage over 400,000 assets on the uptake cloud. And they got started with a simple idea of simple telematics from the assets to doing CRM uh, functionality, and over time adding insight because they had all this data, now they could deploy some asset insights. And once they deployed their asset insight, they were now able to go and implement a full service workflow and transform the entire service operations. And now the, the entire dealer, uh, you know, productivity, they increase their productivity, they're optimizing their technicians, they're improving their scheduling and reducing the number of hours spent in administration tasks, right? There's one such dealer, they manage about 200 assets it started with a simple idea of we just want all the assets connected and we want it connected to our service software or CRM software from uptake. But then they start adding the asset insights. They're now generating millions of dollars in savings. And so you see even a old industry like that can get huge benefits the moment they start getting connected and make that first bet. You now are able to monetize all of that operational data. And we see the same thing in, uh, uh, you know, examples that we've done in wind where, uh, in, you know, we can now predict uh, uh, a wind turbine, we predict an anomaly 300 days ahead of the lead time. That can fundamentally impact how you change your business process. Or in oil and gas where we see, that's another industry we see leaning really fast and going even faster over the next few years because of that. Uh, value that's at stake. Um, so we're seeing uh, our value-based maintenance applications being uh, deployed. There's about, uh, you know, a large North American oil and gas company has implemented that, and they're now uh, using our solution across over almost 650 different pieces of machinery, and in less than 50% less time, they're using 90% less resources than previous methods while improving their operational safety and asset reliability. So we see everybody starting to go faster over the last few years because we as an industry also now understand the value of digital transformation. There are more success stories that are coming out than the failures of pilot health. People that big bet big are starting to win big. Yeah, this is um, it's that's super encouraging uh, to, to I mean to hear. Are are there some I would say any any common characteristics or uh, standout qualities of of 
you know, businesses or, or projects that have been been able to to be successful in navigating their 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 business model or or culture to to one that's really enabled by by IoT technologies. If you're asking about like, what are the characteristics of companies that are doing this transformation well, is that yeah, who's who, in 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 your view, who's 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 doing it? Who's doing it successful? And and are and are there some lessons that uh, that other companies can learn from 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 their successes? Sure, um, and you know this is something that I I get a chance to uh, you know consult with lots of CEOs and CXOs uh, and board members across the globe in terms of how to go run digital transformation because experientially I came into a 124-year-old company and got to build a team that literally wrote the playbook on digital transformation. Uh, and from that experience, I've learned two things that I see as common characteristics from other leaders who are actually doing it well. One of the first things I talk about is like, you've got to have a, you've got to build a belief system. Uh, and what, what I mean by that, it's like, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, um, you have to have a belief that the critical control points of applications, data, or algorithms that you've got to create or you've got to orchestrate. That means that you have to have a belief that software uh, analytics or machine learning or AI will fundamentally reimagine your business. You have to have that belief. If you don't have that belief, I tell people don't do it. You can save yourself a lot of headache and a lot of money and don't even embark on this. Don't do it because somebody else is forcing you to do it because your board's asking you to do it or somebody thought it's a good idea, but you don't believe in it. You've, you've got to build a belief system. That's one. The, the, the leaders that do that, what they, they'll be honest with you. They'll tell you, I don't know the exact 10 steps I've got to take, but I believe this is the right thing. And I believe that I'll figure out the next several steps, like I said, consistently, and I assemble a team to go do that. So build a belief system is the number one thing that I would say. The second thing that I would tell um, companies that do it fairly well, acknowledge the fact that um, you need new metrics, new measures, uh, and a new, you know, you can't measure these new ideas or investment in digital technologies the same way you measured investments in traditional CapEx projects or construction projects, or uh, if you're a, uh, uh, you know, uh, building power plants or factories, you've got to look at them differently. So you've got to calibrate your expectations in terms of new metrics, new measures. That means uh, you've got to do things like what percentage of data is uh, is being analyzed? How accurate are your predictions? Uh, what is the adoption rate? What's the engagement rate of the applications that you're creating? So new measures and new metrics. Um, people that are willing to embrace that actually go further because they look at signs that are better indicators of future upside from their digital investments. Third, I would say is uh, new ways to work. Um, new ways to work means adopting practices from, uh, you know, agile practices or ideas from the lean startup and changing the culture or design thinking into problem solving in their work environment. Um, so I would say those three things are some of the big things that I see leaders do well. And the fourth thing I would say is an X factor is people that acknowledge diversity of thought and diversity in general to innovation, where they want to bring people from other industries into their company, whether you are a, uh, you know, a large, you operate a large trucking field, uh, fleet, or you are a um, manufacturing, uh, you do manufacturing across uh, multiple lines, or you are a energy provider or a construction uh, equipment provider, bringing people from other industries, as well as diversity in terms of gender and thought and different experiential ability to bring and solve problems and attract talent. I think those four elements are the things that I see from leaders that do this fairly well. Yeah, it's uh, it, it it is so critical to be able to think uh, across the you know different industries to be able to tie together uh, disparate experiences. I mean, that's been a, a key differentiator, and and I think what's so so fascinating about how we're you know companies like Uptake and and others that are working in uh, 
the industrial IoT uh, area, we'll, which we'll call very broadly, are, are, are really helping you know helping these helping industries transform themselves i mean it's it goes it becomes pretty pretty profound the the downstream ramifications here um so just one you know one final question is really just looking forward uh you know how you see the uh the, you know the markets that you play in evolving over the next decade what you know what what are you optimistic about and you know what are what are what are some concerns that keep you up at night um, I'm really optimistic about um, the change that's happening in terms of uh, leaders who want to uh, own this personally, CEOs who want to own personal, uh, the digital transformation, and leadership teams across many of these industries thinking big and investing big. I think that I'm highly encouraged by that. And I think we will see more large-scale systems like the ones that we've done at PIG. Uh, as examples in the industry, so you'll have more successful examples that people can look into versus get out of this pilot hell. Um, and we also see that we're in flexion point and where people can actually point to and say, I, uh, you know, by deploying IoT and industrial AI solutions, here's the value that I'm seeing. And the confidence factors in these systems are going up. And that's Radical transparency is needed in digital transformation, and we provide that to our customers. For example, um, we actually deploy thousands of machine learning models in production, and we can actually show to our customers, here's what the prediction is, here's how the predictions are getting better, here's the confidence factor in the predictions, and here's how it's improving over time. Uh, we call it the model performance uh, management report. And our customers can track the fact that our predictions are getting better over time and their confidence in the acceptance of those predictions, which leads to what I call hot augmenting their uh, domain expertise and their intelligence with our software. I think we will see a faster rate of that. And as you know, you know, every prediction in, uh, we've made in the field of uh, how machine learning or AI impacts certain industries has only gone faster than people originally thought. Um, you know, the best minds in 2004 would have said at one point, uh, Frank Levy and two economists wrote that, you know, computers cannot substitute in the task of like uh, driving an automobile. It took um, exactly five years from that statement for a uh, Google vehicle to have covered a thousand miles. I think this is going to happen faster. We've already seen machine learning engines and AI engines and many other industries do predictions way better than just purely physics-based models. We've already crossed that threshold and we can already do that much faster in almost all the industries that we're in. So that speed's highly encouraging. The technology changes we're seeing, especially if you build on a new modern stack in the last four years, the benefits of the uh, cloud native technologies and machine learning technologies, that's highly encouraging. What I'm uh, nervous about, I'm nervous about, you know, um, customers that have actually made big uh, investments and bets in digital transformation with certain vendors. And when those vendors uh, change scores, they're going to be left, um, you know, with a path that was no longer viable. And that may make them nervous about investing further and may uh, send you know, other potential customers uh, nervous about investing big in digital transformation. And we saw that. In fact, uh, we've seen that and we launched a campaign for lots of customers of, uh, uh, you know, OEMs like Siemens and GE and so on who made big investments in digital. They made the right decision. It was the right decision in, to embark on the digital transformation. But I'm nervous about the fact that some of those failures may deter others from trying so we offered a program called Digital Safe Passage so they can continue their journey uh, with a vendor who is fully committed to this market and committed to being a sufficient Switzerland across all of these uh, OEMs. Um, but I think the upside and the value statements there, this is one of the biggest markets we've actually seen. And we see great visionary leaders betting big. So I'm overall more optimistic about the value that we can generate for our customers and how fast this is happening. 
No, that's that's great, and I, I think we uh, we we very much do share the same optimism. Uh, and one final uh, question that I that I that I save for all, all my guests is a uh, is a recommendation of uh, of a of a book or resource that you would uh, that you'd recommend that sometimes you'd call it either the the most gifted or or, or most recommended from your uh, from your point of view. Um. I don't have a recommendation yet, but I just first few pages into a new book as of yesterday, uh, and I'm, this is a biased view. I'll give it to you. It's one of my uh, ex-colleagues, uh, Beth Comstock. It's her book, uh, Imagine It Forward, um, and it's a business book that appears very personal in a journey that Beth has taken as a great leader that I admire and I work with. Uh, I am just into the few pages of the book, and it's exciting, so I would highly recommend it. And like I said, the bias as well, because it's a, a good ex-colleague, a friend, and a leader that I learned a lot from. Well, she's uh, she's just a tremendous uh, you know tremendous thinker, and and I, I think that's going to be a that's going to be a must read on a lot of people's bookshelves. I've I've already heard people talking about it, so that's a that's a great recommendation, Ganesh. So, um, anyway, this is it's been a great conversation. I, I've learned an enormous amount. I think you uh, are really up to a lot of you know super exciting uh, work at, at uptake, and and really looking forward to seeing the uh, the story unfold with. Uh, with you at the wheel there, and uh, uh, anyway, this has been this has been Ed McGuire, Insights Partner and Momenta Partners, with uh, Ganesh Bell, President of Uptake, as our guest. And, and Ganesh, I want to thank you once again for taking the time. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for listening to the Momenta Intelligent Edge podcast. We rely on feedback, comments, and input from our listeners. So please interact with us by going to our LinkedIn page, our Twitter accounts, or email us at edge at momenta.partners with any suggestions, guest ideas, or commentary. We really value your input and appreciate your listening. Thanks a lot. This is Ed McGuire, Insights Partner with Momenta Partners.